medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. Chinese medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Chiological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of Chinese medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese medicine. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one -on -one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Welcome back to Geological. I'm your host, Michael Max. Today, I've got Chad Connor with me. Chad is a co-founder at Pure Ratios. It's a company that does CBD oil. And the interesting thing about this is Chad has a deep, deep background in Chinese medicine. He learned it here in the States, had a clinic for a time in San Diego, and then spent 13 years in Morocco, where he had a wellness center, practiced acupuncture, and more than that, uh, was a founder and opened up the Institute Uwe, which is a school that taught Chinese medicine along with some of the more traditional hands-on healing of Morocco. So he's got a really interesting background here. He's back in the States now. He's deep into the CBD scene. We're going to get it from a TCM Chinese medicine point of view. Chad, welcome to Geological. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm totally psyched to have you too. You know, CBD has kind of popped into our attention here over the past few years, seemingly out of nowhere. So can you give us a little bit of background here? Number one, how did you get interested in working with the CBD? And and why is it that all of a sudden we're starting to hear about this? You know, I think what's happened is there's been a really big mainstream educational process that's happened through the, the idea of CBD. Um, CBD is a cannabinoid. It's part of the cannabis plant. It's one of the cannabinoids. There's about around 100 cannabinoids in the plant. And two in particular you find in higher dosage. Um, you find the CBD molecule and the THC. What happened is actually cannabis medicine is birthed in between the ratios of using these two molecules. And of course, there's the pure CBD side. The, the pure CBD side is a side that's uh, got a lot of traction. One reason is it's non-psychoactive. So you don't have any fear of having side effects of psychoactivity, which you can get with the THC molecule. And also, if it comes from the hemp plants, you can actually ship it over state lines, where if it comes from the cannabis plant, you can't. So it's, right. it's actually no -no. opened it up. Yeah, it's a, it's a big no-no. And it's opened it up to having CBD more accepted by the mainstream because of the fact it's non-psychoactive and the fact you can get it now in health food stores, you know, online in different places. How did you get interested in this stuff? And I've been interested, you know, in actually cannabis medicine for about 10 years. It's really a unique medicine that I, it, coming from Africa, North Africa and in Morocco, actually uh, hashish, it's one of the capitals of hashish production in the world. You have two capitals, you have Morocco and you have Afghanistan. 
So I saw a lot of my patients using it. In the strain in Morocco, it's it's a mostly purely THC strain. But seeing the effect of that, I started to actually study the cannabis medicine. And seeing its relationship to TCM or Chinese medicine, it really got me intrigued. So I started to study it, um, you know, more in the kind of the chemical sense, what's the endocannabinoid system and how it works, and then to connect it to Chinese medicine, which is actually the oldest recorded use of, we'll say, CBD or, or the cannabis plant. Yeah, we're going to get into more of that in just a moment. I'm curious to hear about the ways that your patients were using hashish or cannabis uh, for their own medical purposes in Morocco. I know that that where I live it's not legal. And yet confidentiality, I will hear from patients saying when, when I ask them, what's the thing that's helped this chronic pain of yours the best? And they go confidentially. I'm like, yeah, confidentially. They go, I smoked out. Yeah. You know, I got that again and again. It's, it's interesting. As we know, as acupuncturists, a lot of the unbalance in the body comes from some sort of uh, stress, some sort of pain. What cannabis does or what CBD does, what we'll say cannabis medicine to use that term, it really actually helps with several different factors. One of the main ones I see is people that have a lot of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Cannabis is one of the best herbs I've ever seen. It really balances the system. And we're talking about cannabis here. You don't, we're not talking about just the THC side. We don't have to take THC to balance the endocannabinoid system to help with post-traumatic stress, for example. As you mentioned, pain is a huge one. In our company, Pure Ratios, the products we developed is all around pain relief. So it's a really exciting replacement for the opioid. And it's part of our pharmacopoeia in Chinese medicine. So one of the things that I'm really struck with and passionate about talking about is the fact that acupuncturists, Chinese medical doctors really need to understand this plant and bring it in their pharmacopoeia. I think it'd be an incredible adjunct to all the herbal formulas. So it's really something I think that acupuncturists are the grandfather of this medicine and not taking advantage of it. So for me, this is kind of where my heart went. I want to get into the molecular side of it for a moment. You know, there's the CBD. We know that's not psychoactive. There's the THC. It can be variously psychoactive depending on the strain and, you know, all kinds of other things. And then there's the sort of interplay between the two. And you mentioned in many ways, when we're looking to work with this medicine, we're looking for balancing or somehow working with the ratios of CBD to THC. Is that, do I have that right? You do, actually. The cannabis medicine is really the ratios. And the, the interesting thing, the genetics of the plant produce the ratios. So kind of how it works is you have a, a pure, we'll say a hemp CBD strain, which has less than 0.3% THC. That's the classification to consider it hemp. It's CBD molecule, CBD molecule, but the, the hemp side, the, for example, in our products, we have indetectable THC. This is the, the biggest you know, CBD side. And then you start going up towards a higher THC side. So the ratios you see in the market are the common one is an 18 to 1 or a 20 to 1 strain. When I say 20 to 1, it's 20 parts CBD, 1 part THC. So you have very, very, very little THC. And there's the whole theory in cannabis medicine of microdosing THC. You don't need a lot of it to create balance. When you're getting higher psychoactivity, that's not the goal for a lot of you know, symptoms you're using it for. So you have this 18 to 1. And then the next strain you see popular is an 8 to 1 or a 10 to 1 strain. So you have 10 or 8 parts CBD to 1 part THC. And then you have a 4 to 1 strain. 
then you have a two to one and you have a one to one. So the one to one is the highest psychoactivity. Then you can go towards the more higher THC strains, just a pure THC. So the sweet spot for a patient is somewhere in between these ratios. When you have access to the THC molecule, it doesn't mean you need THC for therapeutics. You can use a pure hemp CBD strain. We have all of our product categories, for example, for the last three years in our company, which is CBD hemp, and we have testimonial after testimonial, patient after patient, that is getting relief for a variety of conditions. But cannabis medicine is really the ratio between. Biochemically, is there a difference between the CBD out of hemp and the CBD out of cannabis? There is not biochemically in, in the actual molecule, but where it starts to get interesting, and this is something that, that cannabis medicine is bringing out to the scientific field, which acupuncturists and herbalists have known for thousands of years, that in the plant, there's more than just a single molecule. So you have just CBD, right? What they found in the cannabis plants, you, you have two other categories of therapeutic molecules. You have the terpenes. Terpenes are just what you find in essential oils. They're molecules that are pharmacologically active, like, for example, the turmeric essential oil is extremely anti-inflammatory. So, you know, you have the curcumides that you have the, that's actually the terpene. Same things in the actual cannabis plant. You have all these terpenes. They found about 120 of them. And the terpenes actually is what makes the strain different towards the cannabinoids. Cannabinoids are cannabinoids. THC, CBD is, is the molecule. But when you add the terpenes and the blend of terpenes within that genetic or that strain, you get the different therapeutics also of cannabis medicine. So you have terpenes like myrcene is a popular one. Myrcene is pharmacologically active in the fact that it, it calms the system. So if you look at an indica strain is part of the cannabis plant, they're high in myrcene. They put you to sleep. So if you want to sleep with a cannabis medicine, you want to make sure you have one that's high in myrcene. So you have all these terpenes. There's there's a, quite a few of them all mapped out of what they do. And then you have the flavonoids. So the flavonoids are what gives the color of the plant. So if you, you have some strains that are purple, it's the flavonoids that give the, that color change. And they're high antioxidants. They help with free radicals. Um, and they actually help in the balance of the plant. So those are really the three parts of a of the hemp plant or the cannabis plant that you're looking at to really see what are the therapeutics. Got it. There's a lot of chemistry in here, isn't there? There is. There is. We haven't gotten into the endocannabinoid system is what's actually the system it works on, which is a very interesting system to, to look at. Let's jump into that right now. So the endocannabinoid system, the thing that really struck me is it's a system based on homeostasis. It's a system based on, on the core of the fundamental of Chinese medicine. It's based on yin and yang. So here, biochemically, they found this system in the 80s. It was found um, in Israel. Actually, Israel is the most advanced research in cannabis. The grandfathers of the cannabis medicine come from Israel. And they found this system. What they found, it's like finding, for example, the lymphatic system or the nervous system. They found a whole system in the body that's based on balance. It's all about homeostasis. And what they realize is we make our own endocannabinoids. There's about four big ones that we make. We make them, all mammals make them. Any, any mammal that has a spine actually creates cannabinoids. We, they, all the mammals do, and it's balancing the system. So how does it balance? There, there's two different receptors here. There's a receptor called a CB1 receptor, and there's a CB2 receptor. So the CB1 receptors, you find it in the central nervous system. 
CB2 you find in the peripheral and in the immune cells, the lymphatic cells. Actually, there's endocannabinoid receptors in almost every cell of the body. So it's very a perfect system. It's everywhere. And it's all about balancing the nervous system. This is where you see, you've seen like the, the Charlotte's Web CNN interview where they talked about epilepsy. You see things with autism, with multiple sclerosis, because the CB1 receptors, they're in the central nervous system and they have to do with actually turning down the synaptic cleft. Most of the nervous system impulses go from central, you know, the peripheral. The endocannabinoid system actually goes back on the synaptic cleft. So it turns it down. So people that have things like seizures, where you have a hyperstimulation of your, your, you know, nerve impulses, the cannabinoids turn it down. So it helps reduce seizures. Same thing with multiple sclerosis, where you have, you know, the myelin sheath. It turns it down. So here you see this big central nervous system and peripheral nervous system balancing effect with the system. But the interesting thing is we have phytocannabinoids. So this is where the cannabis plant or the hemp plant comes in. It produces phytocannabinoids that we can take, like herbs, that balance this system. And you have two different ways the system works. You either can have an excess in the endocannabinoid system or a deficiency. And so here you get in again to yin and yang. So we've got these receptors in our body, and, and of course we do. Otherwise, uh, cannabis wouldn't have the effects, you know, especially psychoactively, that it has, right? I mean, clearly, you know, we're built to somehow interact with this stuff. How is it, especially with the CBD, that this has this sort of harmonizing effect? I mean, would you call this a harmonizing herb? Is that How does it fit in our pharmacopoeia, I guess, is what the question is. You know, if you look at the history, this kind of goes into the history of the use, in my opinion. And you kind of have to look at the grandfathers who brought this along. And, and the thing that's a little bit interesting, and this is where I think there's a lot of research to be done as acupuncturists, is what's happening here. Obviously, if you look at the seed in Chinese medicine, the homa ren, which is actually now really the only part of the plant used because of the prohibition in worldwide of cannabis. So this one is a, is a yin nourishing herb. It's cooling. It helps, you know, move the intestines. It's, it's more of a, a cooling kind of yin tonic herb. I, I look at CBD to fit pretty good on that. It's, it's, it's very cooling. It has a yin tonic function. For example, it's an incredible anti-inflammatory. If you have any heat inflammation in the body, CBD is going to cool it down. It's one of the best anti-pain herbs that I've used in, in, in the last uh, 17 years being a practitioner, it really turns down the inflammation. In this way, it's cooling. It's cooling. It's moving blockages, moving stagnation from pain. Um, some of the older practitioners, they used it this way for a painful obstruction, for like B syndromes, things like this. What I found in my practice is that cannabis tends to work for chronic pain better than acute pain. It's more of a kind of taking away B syndromes, I've found. Not, not necessarily, you, you, you know, you fall down and you have this acute inflammation. I've seen it work, um, but it tends to work better on chronic, in my opinion. And then you have the THC molecule. The THC is going to be more the yang part. So if you want to look at just yin and yang of the plant, CBD is going to be more yin. You know, THC is going to be more yang. And if you just look at how it affects us physiologically, it affects us in these different ways. One's, you know, THC is more psychoactive. You have, you see spirits, you have this whole kind of yang aspect that happens in the nervous system. 
Now, I've heard that for CBD to be most effective, a little pinch of THC is helpful. Yes. And why is that? So actually, CBD is a very interesting cannabinoid is the fact it does not connect to any of these CB1 or CB2 receptors. THC does. Oh, that really, it doesn't connect to the receptors. It does not. What it does, it's very interesting, is it actually, it controls enzymes that break down our endocannabinoids. So our proper cannabinoids that we make in our body. So it turns on an enzyme called FA, F-A-A-H, which is an enzyme that helps in the breaking down of endocannabinoids. So by you, taking CBD, you're, you're slowing down this function. So our, our natural endocannabinoids in the body heighten. So we get more of them. And so you get the effect on the CB1 and CB2 receptors through our own internal endocannabinoids, where THC and some other of these cannabinoids, they're like keys and locks. They go right into the receptor and they turn it, they turn it down. This stuff is so interesting. Yeah, it is. It's it's the whole medicine. You know, the thing about it, it, it's whole medicine just developing, and there's so much to do here, and there is no practitioners involved in this space that I know of. I know just some osteopaths, very few, a lot of doctors, which I don't understand necessarily why they're more than acupuncturists and herbalists. I, I don't get it. So there's a lot to do here. The CBD that you would ingest endogenously that comes from either hemp or cannabis. That is not going in as a supplementation, so to speak, and connecting with our endocannabinoid system. It is going through an enzymatic function that allows us to better utilize the endogenous cannabinoids in our system. The THC, on the other hand, will fit those connectors. Now, does that mean that the THC will guide our uh, our endogenous cannabinoids into the system, or, or will it actually take the um, endogenous cannabinoids and somehow plug them in as well? Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, it's it's adding cannabinoids. So meaning that it's like having more endocannabinoids. So we just have more flooded in our system. And then the CBD, the fact that it actually, you know, helps these enzymes not break down our endo. So it, it heightens the THC function. So by using them both together, and I agree with the fact you need, if you have a little bit, it works better, but you don't need a lot. That's the thing. Even if you have the 0.3%, you're still going to have some. You don't need a lot for therapeutics. And this is the really the interesting thing we're finding with the research is you need one or two milligrams of, of THC to get effect. And they've also have this, this model that shows by taking more, you actually get less effect. So there's a really a sweet spot here. Right, because you would be filling up those receptors with the THC molecule. Too much, yeah. Then actually you're going to get the, the opposite effect you're trying to get if you have too much. So this, there is a sweet spot, and this is where I tell everyone that cannabis medicine is a personalized medicine that nobody's personalizing. They're doing an all-over-the-counter, shotgun approach. Most people are overdosing on THC, and they're not getting the effect. And this is where we get the negative side that we hear. I've seen a lot of acupuncturists write and talk about the negative effect of cannabis, and we need to be careful about it, but they don't realize that most people are overdosing. If you're using microdosing of particularly THC, you're, you're going to find the sweet side of that patient, and they're, they're going to be able to function throughout the day. With our products, it's not about psychoactivity, for example, with pure ratios. It's a really about you know, really long-lasting balancing the system. So this is where education is necessary. There's such a stigma with cannabis. Yeah, there's a huge stigma. So you were saying 
that the research, really where the research came from initially, was Israel. Yes. And still, it's the leading research. Is it not a Schedule One drug there? What's the situation in Israel that's allowed for all this uh, scientific inquiry? Back in the 80s, there was some chemist, one called Machula. He was the, really the grandfather of THC. He's the one that figured that found out, found the molecule, found the endocannabinoid system. And they, they had federal grants that kind of opened it in, in Israel. And since then, they're, they're the most cutting edge. I would say one of the most cutting edge countries. They are allowed. They've been growing and selling cannabis in pharmacies there for, for many, many years. Particularly to this one person, he just opened it and then it became this kind of huge research. There's, there's over 25,000 research articles on cannabis. So there's quite a few. And at the same time, a lot of them are more anecdotal. There's not a lot of federal money. So the research is still very much lacking. But he really opened it. And, and it's a great question. I'm not quite sure exactly how it happened. I think he just had the idea and he just developed it in Israel. Mm -hmm. But basically, the, the gist, if I'm hearing this correctly, is cannabis has been allowable in Israel as a medicinal substance for a long time. So they've had a lot of opportunity to look at this with studies. They've had a lot of opportunity to look at this from a clinical perspective. Correct. Absolutely. And in California, it's been legal for in one way or another for over 20 years. So in California, also, you have quite a bit that's happened. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Let's jump more into the Chinese medicine side of it. You talked earlier that it, it was a bit like a yin tonic. It has a harmonizing effect. It's a bit of a spirit calmer. And, you know, when you were talking, too, about how many people are overdosed because they're not doing this as a personal medicine. And, of course, Chinese herbalists were all about personal medicine. How can we begin to think about this, you know, from our perspective as Chinese medicine practitioners and use it properly in our clinics to help people? So there's kind of two parts to your question. One is kind of how it's been used in Chinese medicine, kind of the therapeutics. And I like to go back to the classics for that, that answer and kind of go a little bit over the history of its use. And so the first time we saw it used was in the Divine Farmer's Classic of the Material Medica. This was in the first to second century AD. Um, it was a book that was written by one of the, the mythical emperors of China. He's the first one to talk about this text. 
uh, you know, about, what's that, about 2,500 years ago. What he said, it was, it's the flavor is acrid, it's balanced, it governs the five taxations and the seven damages, it benefits the five viscera, and descends blood and cold chi. Excessive consumption caused one to see ghosts and run about fr- frantically. So this was the first time it was used. And the interesting thing when you look at the history of cannabis use in Chinese medicine, as the history goes, you see that the strains have switched and the psychoactivity part of the plant slowly got bred out, which is very interesting to see. And you also see the CBD qualities slowly kind of bred out. And that has to do with a a lot of factors. But in the very beginning of the grandfather, particularly um, in the Divine Farmers Classic, this is really a classic we'll say cannabis reaction today when I look at the plant. So that was the first one. He also said it's toxic. It's, you got to be careful it's toxic. And he also, it can break accumulation, relieve impediments, and disperse pus. So here we're seeing really pain relieving is part of it. Right. And anti-inflammatory. Correct. And then it's interesting. Then you can kind of go into the 3rd century AD and you have Watto. Watto is an interesting character. He's the one, the first ones that did operations. Um, and part of the way he did operations when he did his anesthesia to cut open the body is he used cannabis as the anesthesia. So you see that back then it was also used for this pain relieving. Um, you know, he would make an elixir out of it, you know, I think through alcohol and cannabis to do a real, what you say today is tinctures of, of cannabis medicine. So he did that back um, in the third century AD. So this is another part. And then it keeps going and you see again and again how it was used throughout the centuries, starting in around the sixth century, then it started to slowly go towards the nine psychoactivity part. So, um, but you see a lot of it, we see these, it's clearing impediments, uh, you know, it's helping with obstruction, it's, you know, helping seeing ghosts. So here you have this kind of central nervous system part, epilepsy, autism. So you're kind of seeing actually how our grandfathers talked about it with what they're finding today in the scientific research. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say over the years they've gone toward the non-psychoactive aspect, right? what does that mean? It means, for example, today, obviously in China, they grow a lot of hemp, but there's no THC in any of this hemp. It's all bred out. Um, they don't even talk about the flower often. You know, there's three different parts of the plant that they talked about back, back in the classic. There was ma fen, there was mahua and mahbo. And one of them was the seed. You had the flower and you had the leaves and the roots. So here today, we don't even see this differentiation. You can't even get the flower because it's, you know, a schedule one narcotic here in the States and in China also. It's, it's illegal. So you cannot use it. So it's really got taken out. But now here in the U.S., we, it's coming back in with the CBD, which we can sell as a practitioner in our clinics. And then knowing cannabis medicine, a lot of our patients today are going to be coming, using it, hearing about it. We need to be able to help them guide through uh, the products and, you know, the medicine itself. Okay. So as herbalists, uh, two questions. One, is this something that we can add into a formulation that we're already giving somebody? And then the other piece is how do we know that we're dosing it correctly. That sounds like such a big right. piece. And it is a very big piece, yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start with with how do you know you're dosing it correctly, and then let's talk about how you might add it in as uh, something to go with, with another formula that you're using. Sure. So first of all, when we've looked at all, I've looked at all the research, talked to a lot of cannabis 
you know, practitioner, people that are using the, the medicine. And what, what I find is it's all about titration, meaning we start with a low dose and we go up until we find the sweet spot, like we would do for, with an herbal formula, with vitamins, with any kind of product we're asking patients to take. The standard thing we look for CBD is I usually start patients with 10 milligrams three times a day. So this is really the starting point if you're looking at CBD. So if you're adding it into your herbal formula, you want to make sure that there's at least 10 milligrams starting three times a day. So 30 milligrams per day is the starting point. And then you go up. You can go all the way up to four to 500 milligrams a day, I've seen, for people with really strong conditions, neurological conditions like epilepsy, for example, or autism. So it can go up. The good thing about CBD is, and actually THC, there's never been an overdose ever of any cannabis medicine, you know, THC or CBD product. It's impossible to overdose. You're not going to kill somebody with it. You cannot kill it. But CBD, you know, there's not a lot of side effects. Uh, I've heard people get some drowsiness, things like this, but there's very little, meaning you can go pretty high. Um, but I like to start people low for one reason. CBD is ex- still extremely expensive. It's a, it's a more pricey herb to buy. So um, it, I find people, the 10 milligram dose three times a day, it does balance a lot of people. So I would start there to add it in. The only problem is an herbalist. If you're using raw herbs, it's very difficult to find raw CBD flour, unless you're in the dispensary state. Um, there you can have your patient go get it and mix it in themselves. But you can't just go online and find bulk hemp flour for the most part. It's difficult to find. So the best way to do it is through tinctures um, and then add it into a tincture formula or they have their herbal decoction and they just add that in in a tincture or pill form just as a supplement. Well, I suspect with the tinctures, you're getting a very clear dose. Whereas if you're throwing in some flowers, who knows who knows what you're actually you don't know. getting? Correct. You don't really yeah, know. Yeah, you don't know the so dosage. Correct. It, it makes Correct. sense to dose it as a tincture. What are some of the side effects of overdosing? I mean, I know you're not going to kill somebody. I know it's it's you know not dangerous, but you were talking about how you know there's conversations on chat groups. There's people saying there's there's issues and and overdosing is an issue. What do we need to look for to know if we're dosing it too highly? Well, it, that kind of goes into the question of THC to CBD. Obviously, THC is a very different animal than CBD. Um, if we just start with CBD, the, the overdosing you're going to see is some drowsiness, possibly some loose stool. Um, but I've rarely, rarely seen somebody have any side effects for CBD. It's a, CBD is a very calming herb. When you look at the therapeutics of CBD, I look at it in actually three, four different ways. One of the ways that I use it is for an anti-inflammatory, anti-pain. So it's a really amazing pain-relieving herb. The second thing is it's an immune tonic. One thing that's really interesting is if you add CBD with echinacea, for example, one interesting thing is echinacea produces phytocannabinoids, which not a lot of people know, much smaller than the cannabis plant, but it produces it. It's part of the reason that echinacea works for immune boosting. So if you add herbs like that, you can heighten this, you know, the immune boosting side. It's also very good for any, for nervous system conditions. So things like epilepsy, um, you know, you have, you know, autism, multiple sclerosis, and the, the list goes on and on. And the fourth real big therapeutics that we find is it's incredible anti-anxiety herb. It's a calming herb, meaning that people 
take it before public speaking, um, you know, that you can take it instead of taking different, you know, pharmaceuticals, you know, anti-anxiety pharmaceuticals. It just works great for calming. So those are the four big categories you can look as symptom wise of how are you going to use it. When you get in the THC, it's a whole different animal here. This is where I was talking about. It's more of a yang herb. The worst thing can happen is psychosis. Um, this is not a nice thing to happen. This is people that have taken edibles, you know, in dispensaries, not knowing what they're doing. Because the problem with the edible rat with THC is when you put it through your gut, you have what they call liver metabolism. And liver metabolism, you change THC molecule to a different THC mo molecule, and it creates a half-life, meaning it doubles the potency. So when you eat THC, you gotta be careful because you're gonna get the doubling effect. And this is where the psychosis can happen. It, you smoking, people don't usually get it. It's when you eat it. And the problem with the inedible is there's this delay of liver metabolism. It could be between one and two hours of onset. So people could think, oh, I don't feel anything, and take another piece of candy, and then they're gone. And then wham. Yep, we've all heard stories about that. Hey, these brownies are pretty good, but I'm not feeling anything. Yeah, exactly. So also with THC, you have, you know, sweating, you're going to have, you know, um, dry mouth, you're going to have red eyes, dry eyes. Um, you can have, like they say in Chinese medicine, seeing spirits. This is the psychosis. Um, so you have to be careful with THC. And I really recommend to practitioners, if they're getting into it, start really with small amounts, let's say two milligrams, um, and then you go up. You don't need a lot. So it's really the THC side of the equation that we need to use caution with. The CBD is, is there's more bandwidth. There's, it's gentler. You've got, it's hard to hurt people with it. Very hard. Yeah. Personally, I haven't had too many people with ever side effects, but this is what I've talked to practitioners they've seen and in the research they talk about. But overall, it's an extremely safe plant. We're thinking about this plant now from a Chinese medicine point of view. There's a yang aspect to it. That's the THC. There's the yin aspect. That's the CBD. And of course, our whole goal with treating people most of the time is finding that balance of yin and yang. So we can really take that perspective and, and apply that to how we're using these, these particular molecules and plant substances. Correct. You know, and one thing that's very interesting to kind of continue on that thread is something called endocannabinoid pathology. So this is um, a lot of the scientists are looking into this and showing it and proving it in the biochemical routes. But in Chinese medicine, with the Chinese medical theory and language, uh, we can see this all day long, way better and more subtly than, than doctors. So there's two different theories. There's one called the endocannabinoid deficiency. This is the one you see the most. And these conditions, they're associated with neurotransmitter deficiencies. So you have things like um, Alzheimer's disease is, a, is what happens from endocannabinoid deficiency. You have Parkinson's syndromes. You have serotonin you know, problems in depression. You have migraines, you have fibromyalgia, and you have irritable bowel syndrome and PSTD. Those are the main ones you see under, the, we'll say, medical conditions under endocannabinoid deficiency. Um, and then you have endocannabinoid excess. Here you see things like obesity is a big one. People that cannot lose weight can be an excess in the endocannabinoid system. 
and also different types of diabetes is also a big one you see around this. But this is just the beginning of research. And here, this is where we have lines to fill in as herbalists in Chinese medicine to really up this and create a whole, in my opinion, we can create a whole aspect of Chinese medicine, a whole, we'll say, uh, treatment theory or a whole how we're going to treat through the cannabis plant, adding it, using it, diagnosing with it, and have a very successful practice because there's a lot of patients, a lot of people looking of how to do this. Yeah. You know, this is one of the things that is so great about Chinese medicine is we have this first screen that we often will apply to something, which is, is it excess or deficient? Because if, if you can answer that question correctly, you're more likely to go down the route that's going to help somebody. If you're looking at an excess condition, we know we don't want to treat it as deficient. And so being able to apply that to the cannabinoid world sounds really helpful. Are, are there any articles written or more information that our listeners could get their hands on that talk about this from the Chinese medicine point of view? There is. One of the best ones I've seen um, is an article. It's actually a research article that came out in 2017. And it's an article in uh, the Fronters in Pharmacology. It's called Cannabis in Chinese Medicine are some traditional indications, references, and ancient literature related to cannabinoids. This is one of the best. It's an 11-page article, and it goes through every single text and all the ancient texts showing how it was used. And it shows how the grandfathers used it. Because today, there is really no information in any of the Chinese medical texts. It got forgotten. So if you look back at this article in particular, they're really explaining, you know, these really, th these are the, these are our masters that, that, you know, these are, this is our lineage. This is where it came from. And they used it as one of the supreme herbs, meaning that, you know, there's, you know, what, over 450, 500 herbs in our pharmacopoeia and about 15 of their supreme herbs, the most powerful. For example, ginseng's one of them. Well, cannabis is one of them also, meaning it's a royal, you know, supreme herb. We got to use it, you know, carefully. And what we got to do is we got to put other herbs around it to harmonize the body so we can, you know, soften the side effects, for example, of THC, but also give more of a direction, add more pain, inflammation, you know, relieving more central nervous system, more immune. So here we have this ability to add to it like we do in Chinese medicine, which for me is such a beautiful aspect of it. Why are we not doing it? We got we it just got forgotten because of the prohibition. And that's a whole nother talk about the prohibition. That's a, a whole interesting talk to have. But, but so this is, this is bringing it back. And I think as acupuncturists, this is the best article to start with because they really show what our, our, the grandfathers talked about. And then we need to fill in the blanks with our own, you know, practice today. Right. Is this article in the public domain? It is. Yes, it's a, you know, it absolutely is. You can get, get it online on Google. Then, then I'll make sure that we've got a link to it over in the show notes page. So if you're listening to this, you want to get a, get your own copy of that and read through it, just pop over to geological.com and, and it'll be waiting for you there. I want to talk for a little bit about manufacturing and I guess quality manufacturing practices. Yeah, you know, this is a really of, important question. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the big concerns we have, because we do Chinese herbs, you know, we're often thinking about, well, where do these herbs come from? And, and are they pesticide free? And are there heavy metals? And how do we know that we're actually getting what we think we're getting? You know, there's so much CBD out on the market right now. It's like a gold rush. So how do we know that we're getting a good 
pure product? To answer that question, we need to go and look at actually the plant itself. And as you might not know, cannabis is one of the best, or hemp. Hemp and cannabis, this is a whole other question, but it's the same same plant. But what it does is, is the cannabis plant, it goes in and it cleans the earth. It's one of the plants they use. For example, in Chernobyl, there's hemp grows all around it cleaning the soil. It's one of the best plants that actually leaches all the toxins and heavy metals out of the soil to clean it. It's a cleaner plant, meaning that you have to be very careful in what you buy because it has this quality. It's even more susceptible to heavy metals and pesticides than a lot of, lot of other plants. It's one of the best cleaning plants that Mother Nature has made. So you really need to look at the quality of this plant, please, guys. And the way to do it is every viable company should have a COA or a certificate of analysis with a cannabinoid profile, so telling how many cannabinoids, um, a terpene profile to know the terpenes. And once you get in terpene medicine, it's incredible. You need to have a heavy metal, a residual solvent test, and a pesticide test. So those are really the five you look for. So you have to make sure that that product has the lab test matched to the batch number on the product you bought. Most of the companies, the, all the legit companies I find, they have it on their website or they have a little code you can look up and get the lab result. For example, in our company, everything's you know, linked with a, a code part of the packaging because it's extremely, extremely important because it's such a, you know, obviously people like to use pesticides. So you really have to be careful. Um, the regulation here in California, which is interesting, is it pretty much has to be organic in, in cannabis plant. It has the most strictest ones, but you want to make sure it has the certificate of analysis on the product. If it doesn't, don't buy it. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles it's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so every batch that is manufactured is tested and will have a certificate of analysis. Yes, and if it doesn't, then it's not a legit company. There is a, quite a few companies that don't provide it, um, to be quite honest with you. So you just need to make sure that it does. Yeah, so that's the key. So when you, when you get the product, go online, see with them, and yeah, that would be the way to go. Okay, that's, that's really helpful information to have. Yes. And also the extraction method is an interesting question to you. How is it extracted? Mm, tell us about that. So there, there's three different main ways extraction happens of um, for CBD or, or, or THC. 
The cleanest one is CO2. Um, this is what we do in our company. We have a, a CO2 machine. So this is use CO2 to extract it. Cannabinoids are oil-based. They're not water-based. They're not water-soluble. They're oil-soluble um, molecules. So CO2 is a great extraction method. It's the cleanest. The next one you see, that's it, it can be a little bit less clean. You got to be a little more careful, but usually they get it out as an ethanol extraction. So ethanol tends to be a, a good one for people because as a manufacturer, you get more throughput. You get more volume out of the plant with ethanol. So you can get more money for it. Um, but it's a little bit, they have to make sure that you get the residual solvents off. That's why it's important to look at the residual solvent test as part of, you know, the COA. Um, the third way, which is probably the least clean, but it creates some of the best product is butane. If butane's done right, it could be extremely clean because butane boils off in a pretty low temperature. So if you, if you're doing your secondary refinement of your, of your plant, you usually can burn it off. The good thing about butane is it keeps it keeps the terpenes in and the flavonoids in the best way compared to CO2 and ethanol. Meaning butane, you're going to get a lot more of those terpenes out and a lot of more of those flavonoids, those other parts of the plant that you want to use for the therapeutics. So that's butane. But there's you know also people that do butane in their garage that explode their garage. We've seen a lot of stories of that. So in a reputable company, butane can work. But the cleanest method is CO2, in, in my opinion. If a company's using butane, mm -hmm. what is the thing that you'd want to check for on that certificate of analysis? So you'd want to check for any residual solvents. So they would they look for ethanol, they look for butane as residual Okay, so solvents. they just look so for both of, of those. Process. Got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. and, and other ones also. I think there's about 12 of them they look for. So you got to do your homework on this. you got to do yeah, your research. you do. You do. Okay, great. Chad, is there anything else that our listeners should know about? using CBD in their practice? Yeah, I think it's part, one of the most frequently asked questions from practitioners is legality, the issues of legality for CBD um, and THC. So we'll start with CBD. So kind of what happened with CBD is they made this differentiation between the cannabis plant and the hemp plant. So there's two different di differentiations um, legally. The first one is there was a there was a, a lawsuit that happened um, several years ago, and it was actually Dr. Broner's soap that really pushed this lawsuit to the foremarket. If people know of that company, oh, the famous Dr. Broner's yes. soap, yeah, yes, and he was very controversial. Um, what he did is he used CBD in his soap, see, from the hemp plant, and this became a whole controversy. And what happened through that case uh, in the federal courts is they said that you can use CBD. If it comes from a European source that has less than 0.3% THC and it's extracted from the stems, seeds, and stalks. So no flower. So this is what they came up with. And so what happened is you'd have to use a ton of seeds and stalks and, and you know, cause there's very low in CBD to make any viable CBD oil. And so this is kind of the law. So you see a lot of people importing the CBD from a foreign source under this law. Um, this is where CBD came from originally. You know, in, in the last five, five years, it came in massive this way. And then what happened in the Obama administration, they passed something called the Farm Bill. And so what is the Farm Bill? It's the Farm Bill of 2013. What it does is, is the, the crazy thing is, is hemp 
has been illegal to grow in the States for many, many years. So all of our hemp, which is a huge industrial, use it for industrial uses, all comes from foreign sources. They just said we cannot grow it in the United States because they were worried this can have too much THC, the prohibition of THC. So they threw out hemp with it also. So in 2013 in the Farm Bill they um, that helped with the Obama administration, they passed federal legal grows of hemp. Kind of on the research side, but they also allowed you to grow it for the CBD side and to extract it. So this is where you see the, you know, the U.S. grown CBD and hemp come from. So you have um, states like Kentucky have a big federal program. So the state kind of allotted it. And through the, the farm bill, then you're allowed to ship it over state lines. Colorado is a big one where you can grow it and extract it. Um, you're seeing grows pop up now in California. You have Oregon, Washington grows. So now um, hemp for the medical purposes is becoming a huge you know, kind of industry. It's actually the last numbers I saw is it's growing 50% per year. Um, where the THC cannabis dispensary side is growing about 33% per year. And this is where you hear this kind of green rush model. Um, but because of these two laws, you're allowed to, you know, produce products and ship them in the 50 states. For example, in our product line, we have an online store. Um, you can buy our products. We ship them to all 50 states. We even have clients overseas. And most all the European countries, CBD is legal. In Japan, it's legal. Um, so, for example, we sell in, you know, the UK, we sell in Switzerland, we sell in France, our products. So we can also ship it to other countries. So in that sense, the CBD hemp side for these two laws are legal. Yep. It can go pretty much go anywhere. Yeah, it can pretty much go anywhere. There's there's still some controversy. Um, the DEA back last December decided to say that CBD is a schedule one narcotic which created a whole uproar in the industry because they don't have the right to reclassify a plant or a molecule without going to the Senate or the Congress. And they didn't do it. They just put it all on their website. So so there's still this whole federal prohibition thing going on. It's a whole nother conversation um, that you can find a lot of information on the Internet. But it's incredible to look at what the federal government has done with this poor plant that's incredibly powerful. So THC, there's about 42 states now, which is quite a bit that have some sort of medical cannabis law. About over 30, about 32 of those have THC laws. The other ones have some CBD laws from the, you know, the cannabis plant. So it's, it depends on the state, but it's, it's everywhere now. Uh, depends on your state for THC. Obviously, there's states, for example, here in California, it's going for adult use or the recreational side, January 1st. So, you know, there's obviously Colorado been three years on that on that track, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and, and Nevada are all recreationally legal. And more states every every year are coming online. So it's, it's, it's a fast-moving target, obviously, with the, the administration we have. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll open that one up. But that's that's kind of where we're at with the CBD okay. and THC. I suspect you and, and probably other suppliers as well, you've got the, the CBD from Hemp Line. Do you all, I suspect you also have like a, a CBD from cannabis along with various ratios of the THC. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And we sell the, we sell the THC ratios here in California. Um, also we sell them in Arizona. We have a company selling them there. Also Colorado beginning of next year. Um, we're also in Puerto Rico and in Oregon. Okay. So for those who are in a state where THC is, uh, not, not a problem. 
then you can start dialing in uh, these other components. Great. Yeah, and, and can I add one more thing on, on going off on that spin of pure ratios? I just wanted to put a little bit of a idea of, of one of the products we have that I think would be very interesting for acupuncturists. And actually, it's a patch. Um, and what we're finding, and me as an acupuncturist, this is extremely interesting. There was a research study that came out a couple years ago that showed that by putting an acupuncture needle into the body, what you're stimulating actually is our proper endocannabinoid system. And they're putting a link of this is why acupuncture can create homeostasis is because it's stimulating the very system in the body that creates homeostasis. So it's, you know, it's a theory coming online that's extremely interesting as acupuncture. So one of our products is a, is a patch. And the interesting thing about this patch is topically, cannabinoids are extremely, extremely good for pain. They, they just, they help with pain and inflammation, arthritis, things that are just incredible. We have so many testimonials. But this patch we have is um, a patch that's interesting in the fact how long it lasts. It actually lasts up to 96 hours. And it's really a pain relieving patch. So you put it on your low back pain and you have about four days relief. But the interesting thing is looking at this, this research showing how cannabis stimulates the endocannabinoid system by putting the patch on an acupuncture point, you're getting stimulation of that point for up to four days. So let me give you an example. I did a little kind of pilot study in my clinic where we treated, um, I treated six women with menstrual cramps. They have to take the opioids every month, terrible. Some have to go to the emergency room. So I, I got six women involved in this study. Um, and what we did is three days before their cycle, I put a patch on uh, liver 14, you know, to stimulate the liver. So I put it on right there on that point for three days before the cycle. When the cycle started, I added a patch to the uterus down around, you know, REN3. Um, and out of the six women, five of them had in tremendous relief and only one of them didn't have much relief. I was very uh, happily surprised that by using acupuncture knowledge and placements of products like patches, we can get heightened relief and really help our patients. And then they can go home with it. It's like leaving a press pack. But here we have the cannabinoid stimulating the endocannabinoid system with, through the acupuncture point. So it's a very interesting model to start to look into that, I, that I'm excited to do more research around. That sounds really great. You mentioned something about acupuncture needles actually activating the endocannabinoid system. Yeah. yeah. Is this something in the public domain? Is there research? Yes. Where does this yeah, come there's from? There's a research article on it. We can, we can put that as part of this talk. I would love for people to read it. There's a research article done a couple years ago where they showed that the acupuncture needle actually stimulates the endocannabinoid system. Endocannabinoids are part of the runner's high. You know, you talk about opioids. Um, but actually endocannabinoids are part of that runner's high. You have this effect, this kind of, uh, you know, this, uh, you're working with the nervous system. So it's very pain relieving that way. I suspect we're going to hear a whole lot more about this, uh, as the research and clinical experience in yours unfold. Chad, thank you so much for your time today. Yes. I was happy to be here. I hope, hope it was helpful and there's so much more to go over. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out. Yeah, I'll have all your contact information on the uh, show notes page. And Perfect. you can also, you know, if you've got comments about this, you can pop over to the Facebook page for Geological, leave a comment there. Yeah, hopefully keep this conversation going. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you, everyone. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. 
If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.